Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Animals to the Max. I am your... Max! Sorry, guys. My, uh... <laughs> that did not sound good. Let me try that one more time. Welcome to Animals to the Max. Okay, I'm Corbin Maxey. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Folks, we have a really, really, really exciting show today. Today on the program, we are going to talk about Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park tips. Now, my wife and I and our friend Courtney actually just got back from Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. This was the first time that we had ever been, and we were there for three nights, four days, and I just wanted to go over kind of some fun tips, what to expect, where to find wildlife, what we would maybe do differently, what we loved, maybe what we would just kind of pass on. I just wanted to give more insight, and preparing for this trip you know, to visit Yellowstone and the Grand Teton National Parks, I couldn't find any podcasts or a lot of information on Yellowstone tips or Grand Teton National Park tips. Like, it was very, very hard. I think I found maybe one podcast from the National Park Service, but it was only like five minutes long. And I thought, this is so shocking to me. Like, why are there not more podcasts about these parks because I mean at Yellowstone, I mean over four million people a year visit this park. And I'm like, man, there's not a lot of information. So maybe I completely it, you know, I overlooked it or what, but I honestly searched. I couldn't find anything. So the first order of business, I thought, man, I'm gonna go back home. I'm gonna record a podcast and just talk about our experience and maybe help, you know, someone who is planning a trip help them with some fun tips. So that's what we are going to do. Before we get into the show, as always, please make sure to subscribe to the show. Please make sure to give the show a rating it really helps the show out it honestly it just helps the show grow if you also would like to support the show i encourage you to check out our patreon page patreon.com slash animals to the max to support the show currently the show is ad free and by joining our patreon page you get exclusive access to behind the scenes content figure out kind of what's coming up with the show what's going on really in my crazy life working with animals all the money goes back to the show it helps with web hosting fees it helps with mics with just equipment everything so i want to give a shout out we have a new patreon member patreon val val welcome to our patreon page thank you thank you so much for the support and and Val, you now have access to all that behind the scenes content. And if you are a Patreon, I think we have for like for five or six months, you will get a private Zoom call with me and one of the animals. Folks, it's just a great way to support the show. Like I said, you know, the show's ad free. This show has been a labor of love. So anything helps. So once again, if you find that this show is valuable, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash animals to the max. One last plug, and then we will get to our yellow. Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park tips, please follow me at Corbin Maxi on my Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, which, hey, TikTok is still around, so I'm thrilled, by the way. But the reason why I encourage you to do that is I share a lot of behind-the-scenes content through my Instagram stories, through my Facebook stories, but I also share a lot of photos. And because we are talking about Yellowstone and the Grand Teton National Parks, you will find a lot of exciting content and, you know, some visuals as you listen to the podcast. So once again, please follow me or check out my social media pages. Okay, you guys, let's get to it. I'm going to be honest. 
This trip was probably one of the best trips I've ever been on in my whole entire life. And I am honestly a little embarrassed to say this was my first time going to Yellowstone National Park and the Grand Tetons. And it's really crazy because I live in Idaho. So to the west entrance of Yellowstone, I'm only six hours away, like six hours away. It just blows my mind. I've never been. And, you know, mind you, I've, you know, been to Africa and I've been to, you know, the Maasai Mara National Reserve in Kenya. I've been to several parks in Africa and yet I have not gone to one of the most iconic parks in, in America. So, so anyway, just blows my mind. I feel like that happens with some people. I feel like we, you know, those of us who live close to these types of uh, landmarks or, you know, in the area, I feel like a lot of us really don't visit them. We actually go further out to travel and we don't realize like, wow, what's in our backyard. So once again, um, I, I put together some goals, my, my 2020 goals. And by the way, which uh, completely went through a, a wrench was thrown through a lot of my 2020 goals due to the coronavirus. But hey, I think that happened with about everybody. So but on one of the goals, it was to visit Yellowstone National Park. So we had planned this for quite some time. And we you know started doing research early. So my first tip, uh, you know, while visiting Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons is to, first of all, plan what time of year you are going to the parks. Now, luckily, on the podcast, Animals to the Max, I've had a few experts who work in Yellowstone who've been there for, you know, over 20, 30 years. So I was equipped with some, you know, expert tips and advice. And of course, my, you know, I went for the wildlife. And of course, if you're listening to the show, you're going to be more interested in all the wildlife stuff. So the tips, if you want to go, to see wildlife, the best times to visit Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons are going to be in the springtime around mid-May. The reason why is the snow is melting, animals are abundant, the bears are, you know, waking up from hibernation, the bison are actually giving birth to calves as well as the elk. It is a beautiful time. It's green. If you go a little bit later in the, you know, early summer, you're going to see some wildflowers. Spring is a really good time to go. You also can go in the fall, which is another great time to go. And we decided to go in the fall. We went, it's almost uh, actually the second to last week in September. So fall for me was a fantastic time to go. The colors are great. The temperatures aren't too hot. It is a little bit cooler at night, but nothing that like a sweatshirt or insulated pants can't fix. And you're in the vehicle most of the time. So, I mean, if your vehicle has, you know, AC or has heat, you should be fine. So times when to avoid Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. Honestly, I would avoid the summer time in Grand Teton and Yellowstone. The reason why over 4. Point, I think it's like 4.2 million people just visit Yellowstone alone. I'm not too sure about the stats of the Grand Tetons. I know it's lower. I know a lot of people kind of skip the Tetons and go to Yellowstone. I think that's a really bad idea and we'll go more into more in depth into why I think that you definitely need to visit the Grand Tetons. But I would avoid summer at all costs. Uh, over 4 million people. Uh, from what I've heard, it's like Disneyland. And I can't even, I just can't even imagine. I mean, we went to Old Faithful and I'll kind of get more into that experience. But even just going to that popular spot, it felt like Disneyland. And the fall is somewhat of their off season. I mean, people go, a lot, a lot of people go in the fall, but the majority are in the summer. And it still was packed. So I couldn't even imagine what it would honestly be like 
in the summertime. So I would avoid going in the summertime at all costs. You have the tourists, there's gonna be a lot of traffic. Also, it's gonna be warmer in Yellowstone uh, with that summer heat and animals aren't particularly fond of hot temperatures, especially during the day. So best times to go, my tips would be mid-May, kind of in the spring before that tourist season kind of starts, and then in the fall. I mean, we're honestly already planning our trip back. I mean, that's how exciting it was. Like, I cannot wait to go back in the spring. I actually, it was so funny, when we got back home, I was already looking at places to stay to go back this November because apparently November is also a decent time because the tourists are pretty much completely gone. The only problem is that Yellowstone receives so much snow. It is extremely cold. Like, I mean, temperatures like 20, 40 degrees below zero. I mean, it's really, really cold. The, a lot of the roads are shut off. It's dangerous to drive. And I thought, man, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I don't necessarily know if, if winter would be the best time for us at this point. So we are definitely going to be going back in the springtime, but fall was incredible. So that's what I would do. The, the, I guess my, my other tip would be to order a book. Uh, on Yellowstone. And I have a great book I want to recommend. It's called Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. It's a great, uh, great title for that book, right? Very original. And it is by the publisher Lonely Planet. I'm going to put the link in the bio. We got this off Amazon. It was only like 25 bucks. We ordered it, I think a couple months before, and it was so cool. Just, um, you know, kind of getting the insights. I'm not going to lie. The book's a little intimidating because there's a lot of information, like almost too much information, which I guess you can't ever have too much information, but if you're wanting like, oh, I want this tip and that tip, but not to be completely overwhelmed, this book might be a little too much for you, but it has every single detail of the parks, which I really appreciated. So I'm gonna recommend it and I will put the link in the bio. Okay, so once you get your book or once you you know start planning your Yellowstone trip, you really need to look at the map because you guys, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And, and you know what, by the way, I'm, I guess I should preface this. I'm going to be talking more about Yellowstone in this podcast, just because we spent more time there. I will go to the Grand Teton zone because we had a fantastic day there. So I will do that. Um, but really quick, I'm going to kind of focus on Yellowstone. You really need to get a map. The park is over 2.2 million acres. The park is is huge. It has five entrances. They have 466 miles of roads, 1,000 miles of backcountry trails that you can hike. It's a lot. There's not just like one loop or one entrance where you can see everything in one day. So I would plan a trip to Yellowstone. I mean, honestly, I would do what we did. We did four days and three nights. We spent a day in the Grand Tetons, three days in Yellowstone. That was a perfect schedule. Honestly, if it were me, I would go a day or two longer because there's so much stuff to see. But I mean, with us, we have jobs. I mean, I take care of the animals. Um, my wife and I, we also run a wine tour company. So honestly, you guys, it was like, it was hard to, eat, to even get away for four days. So for those of us who do have, you know, jobs or normal jobs and have responsibilities, I think the four days, three nights in the Grand Tetons and the Yellowstones, I think that's a fantastic amount of time. For those of you 
who want to try to do it in one day, I think you're crazy. I honestly wouldn't recommend it. Two days maybe, but there's no way you can, you know, see all of those sites and, you know, and, and also like see wildlife in just one day. I mean, maybe you'll see a bison or two if you're lucky. I mean, maybe, maybe a bear, maybe a bit large predator sighting, but honestly, one day is cutting it short. Okay. I would also plan on kind of putting together what you want to see. You know, my wife and I and our friend Courtney, we were there to see wildlife. I mean, that was our goal. We had a wildlife bucket list, and that's something I would encourage everybody to do. At the top of that wildlife bucket list, we wanted to see a moose, we wanted to see bears, and we wanted to see wolves. And that was at the top. And I feel like that's pretty much at the top of, you know, everyone's wildlife bucket list. But there are some people who go to Yellowstone who just want to see, you know, the old faithful geyser, the old faithful geezer. I heard someone be like, look at that big geezer over there. Nope, it's called a geyser. But Yellowstone is home to over 10,000 active thermal features, including several geysers. So you guys, there's a bunch of stuff, but if you're going for the geysers, then you know there's other places you can focus on in the park. And that's why, once again, the map is so important because you're gonna find the geysers and you know Old Faithful near the west entrance of the park. But for us, we wanted to see wildlife. And I'm gonna kind of focus mainly on where to see wildlife in Yellowstone because that's this is a wildlife podcast and it's like, man, we really wanted to hit, we really, really wanted to hit, you know, these areas. So we studied the Yellowstone map. The number one place to see wildlife in Yellowstone is going to be in the northeast corner of the park. And that is in Lamar Valley. This is where, this is like the wildlife mecca. I mean, this is just where you are going to hopefully see wolves. It's actually the wolf watching capital of the world is in Lamar Valley. So if you want to see wolves, your highest chances of seeing wolves are going to be in the Lamar Valley near the northeast entrance. And I'm actually... You know what? I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to go pull out my Yellowstone map because this is just like, I'm going to, this map, by the way, is so withered from, you know, looking at it the whole time. Okay. Oh, hold on. I grabbed the Grand Teton map. Just one second. Just one second, guys. Okay. So another thing, when you do get into the park, ask for a couple different maps because you will find that you will uh, pretty much tatter the one that you use the whole time. So if you want one for a souvenir, ask for a couple different, uh, a couple different maps. Okay. So I'm going to look at my map here. Just hold tight. Okay, so we have the map. So Lamar Valley, the northeast entrance, I would highly recommend. Lamar Valley is, like I said, where you're going to see the wolves. It is an open valley with the Lamar River running through. And that's where people see the wolves. And so once again, a great place. It's also full of bears, including grizzly bears. So I would highly recommend doing that. The second place to see wildlife I'd recommend is in Hayden Valley. Now Hayden Valley is pretty much in the center of the park. Hayden Valley is where you are going to have a very high chance of seeing grizzly bears. In Hayden Valley, we actually came across a grizzly bear. His name was 791, we later found out about, and he had killed a bull elk 
and hauled it on the side of the Lamar River. So literally, as we're driving through Hayden Valley looking for wildlife, we just saw a traffic jam full of vehicles, and we were like, oh my goodness, what's going on? I remember we were just at a standstill, just barely inching around this curve along the Lamar River, and tourists were just walking, cars parked, just walking towards this area around the bend, and I asked this guy, I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, grizzly bear. And he was such a nice man. He's like, grizzly bear. And with that excitement, I'm like, wait, what? A grizzly bear? So in Hayden Valley, we literally saw a grizzly bear. And I think our experience was this was kind of rare because this bear, his name's 791. Their researchers are saying he weighs around 800 pounds. He killed a bull elk four days earlier before we had gotten to the park. Someone captured it on YouTube. So we had two bull elk. They were fighting. Uh, one of the bull elk actually broke his leg. The grizzly bear named 791 was actually watching this whole fight, took advantage of the situation, and as the bull elk with the broken leg kind of walked off, 791, the bear, went for him and literally charged him. The elk went into the river and the grizzly bear, 791, went after him and he literally took down, I mean, dispatched this elk in the Lamar River in front of tourists. And it's on YouTube. I'll put the link in the bio. The, just, you know, kind of a warning. The, the, the video is a little disturbing maybe to some people. It is a circle of life, but the elk does die in the video. But literally, he hauled the elk out of the river onto the riverbank in Hayden Valley. So while we were there, we stumbled across this magnificent scene where he had hauled it across the river. So across the road, tourists were able to watch him. And it's extremely rare to be that close to a grizzly, especially with a kill. But he had literally stashed it on the side of the river. He had covered the bull elk with mud. And you can check that out on my Instagram. I'll post a photo of that. But that was amazing. But that was in Hayden Valley. We saw our first grizzly bear. Some people do see wolves there. We did not see wolves in Hayden Valley. That is a big open area. It's beautiful. It's full of bison herds. So once again, a great place. And it's funny because I, it's not funny. I actually talked to someone before I went to Yellowstone and I was like, oh my goodness, like what, what wildlife did you see? I'm sure you saw bison. And the guy's like, nope, I didn't see bison. And I said, well, I'm, did you see like a bear? Nope. Did you see wolves? No. Nope. Did you see elk? No, I didn't see elk. So I looked at this guy and I said, okay, so what did you see? He said, oh, you know what? I saw a coyote. And I said, oh, that's great. He said, you know what? It's great because we usually shoot the coyotes on our farm. So it was great to see a coyote that wasn't scared of people. And I thought, well, that's lovely. By the way, the person I was talking to, I think he worked for the park service or something. Uh, my wife and I, we rafted Hell's Canyon, which by the way, YouTube video coming out soon. And we stopped for lunch and I talked to this guy. He was like, I don't know, cleaning something. And I was like, oh, hey, we're going to Yellowstone and just got in conversation. So there are people who go and they don't see any wildlife. So make sure like start that wildlife bucket list and get a map and start figuring out, okay, like this is what we're going to do. So my wife, I just an amazing shout out to her. She actually typed up an itinerary for us, the, you know, for four days, the first day in Grand Tetons, and then the three days in Yellowstone, just to have a tentative schedule. You need to have a plan because I'll tell you what, if you go on the West entrance, which is the most popular entrance, because that's where Old Faithful is, and you don't have a plan of where you want to go, or you don't have a plan of like, oh, what wild, you know, what type of animals you want to see, 
you could literally see nothing. I mean, you might see a bison, but there are people who go that don't even see bison. So have a plan, have a wildlife bucket list. There's a lot of stuff online that will give you itineraries, which is great, but make sure you check the sources because my wife, she's like, honey, I found this most amazing wildlife, you know, Yellowstone four day adventure check off list. It was great. I think she found it on Pinterest and I said, oh honey, this is great. So I look at it and on the information it said, go to Hayden Valley because it has your greatest chances of seeing sloth bears. And I said, honey, where did you find this? She's like, oh, this is on Pinterest. And I said, do you realize like sloth bears, they live in Asia? Sloth bears don't live in Yellowstone. You're gonna see grizzly and black bears. So clearly the source, I mean, the, the person who wrote this had no idea of what animals they were even seeing. So make sure that the sources and these itineraries make sure that they are reputable. By the way, I will be putting together a blog with these tips. You can find that at CorbinMaxi.com. I have not written the blog yet. It's going, you guys, blogs take a long time because I want to include pictures and I want to include all these tips and probably even some more. So um, look for that. And I once that is completed, I will put the link in the show notes so you can uh, stay up to date with that. Because I, I, like I said, I mean, I was even searching for a reputable blog. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to listen to someone who's saying, oh, you can go see sloth bears over here in this area it's like well lady that they're all the way in asia so make sure your sources are reputable you also need to figure out where you're going to stay in yellowstone okay i'm just going to be honest uh, i'm just going to cut to the chase it is expensive to stay in the park it is very expensive i think we looked and places to stay very average were three to four hundred dollars a night and imagine this is kind of in their fall season. I couldn't even imagine what summer was like. I'm sure summer is even more. So we decided to stay outside the park. Now, if you have all the money to blow in the world, absolutely stay inside the park. But for us, we were traveling on a budget and I feel like that's how a lot of people travel these days. Funds are tight. So we traveled on a budget. We stayed outside the park. The first couple nights we stayed at KOAs. And once again, this is why it's important to have a itinerary, something typed up because we were able to look at our, at our itinerary and say, okay, we'd like to see wolves one day in Lamar Valley. We want to be in that area. So we decided to stay in Gardner, Montana. Another day, we knew that we wanted to see the Old Faithful and we wanted to be in that west area. So as you can imagine, we stayed near the west entrance. The day that we did the Grand Tetons, we decided to stay in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So look at that itinerary. It is extremely, extremely important. And by the way, I will go more in depth with what we did and what we saw near the end of the podcast. I'm just trying to go over all of my all of my top tips. Okay, my next tip would be to make sure you have the right equipment when you go to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. So, I'm not gonna lie, a lot of us have these uh, these visions of seeing a wolf up close and we have these, you know, planet Earth images in our mind of maybe wolves running across the valley chasing an elk or chasing a bison and we have a grizzly bear catching a fish out of the river and we are right next to them and we could see every single hair on their body and we could see their eyes and their teeth glistening in the sun. You guys, this is the reality. The animals are going to be far away. Now, 
Some of you might get lucky. People get lucky and you have instances where you have wolves cross the road. I actually just met a lady right before we went. She was like, oh yeah, it was great. We had wolves cross the road. And I was like, what? Um, some people get lucky and see grizzly bears cross the road. There is a famous bear named 399 in the Grand Teton National Parks. She's the oldest bear. I think she's like 24 or 25. Maybe she's 26. She's the oldest grizzly bear. She just had four cubs and she stays by the road and she's, she uses the road as a, as a way actually to protect her cubs because male grizzly bears are the number one killer or predator of young grizzly bear cubs. They will kill the cubs on site because they basically want to make sure that the genetics stay with them. They don't want some other male's genetics in that population. So they will actually kill the cubs and, you know, try to mate with the female. So the female passes on their bloodline. So Sorry, I kind of went, went off on a tangent, but there are instances like this bear 399 that uses the roads where you can come across them on the roads, but for the most part, the animals are going to be far off in the distance, and this is especially with the wolves. The first time we saw wolves, and I'll get more into this like when I go through like each day, because I know that you guys just want to get right to the tips, and if you want to listen to what, what we saw, blah, 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 I'll, um, I'll include that later on in the show, but the first time we saw wolves, they were so incredibly far away. I did not even want to count them as my first wolf experience. It almost, I mean, you guys, I'm talking like far away. So when I say bring equipment, make sure you bring binoculars, good binoculars. I'm going to be honest. I went to Walmart. So we actually, so we ordered some binoculars online um, on Amazon. And then my parents had some binoculars that I was going to borrow. Long story short, I forgot to borrow my parents' nice binoculars we've had for years. So we literally just had a pair of Amazon binoculars. And on the way, driving into Yellowstone, we stopped at uh, actually in Idaho Falls at a Walmart and picked up some binoculars. They were only like $30, $35. I had no expectations for these binoculars, but the guy said, listen, this is a good brand. People love this brand. Just check them out. They're like 35 bucks. Long story short, they worked phenomenal. I mean, they were better than the ones we got on Amazon. It was like 35 bucks. So you could buy some that are hundreds of dollars, which are probably going to be way better. But even the $35 ones at, at, uh, at Walmart, they worked fine. And I will put the link into the show notes of where you can find them, including the brand. I have some momentum going, so I don't want to stop the podcast and go search, you know, around for the binoculars and the brand, but I will put that in the show notes once I edit it. So make sure you have that, make sure you bring cameras and you need to be realistic about what you're going to capture. And I saw this, a lot of people were out there with their iPhones trying to capture you know, bears off in the distance or moose or, you know, even wolves. And you guys, you're not going to capture them. The quality is going to be crap. It's going to look like this tiny little fuzzy little dot. You're never going to want to look back at those pictures because, I mean, no one's going to want to see them. Like, I understand, like, you're thrilled you saw these wolves, but do you really think your friends and family are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lovely photo. Why don't we get some more fuzzy dots? Maybe we'll put that on a big eight by 10. So be realistic and 
get a camera. You can actually rent cameras. And this is something popular that some of my friends did while going to Africa. I, uh, I went to Kenya through Boise State University when I was there in their undergrad program for biology. And some people actually rented these nice, I mean, I'm talking these nice, nice cameras. Like I'm talking nice paparazzi style looking cameras. And they rented those. I think it was a few hundred bucks, but in the end, they are still looking back on those great photos. My wife and I, we actually have a Nikon and we got that from Best Buy. I think the whole package was maybe under a thousand dollars, but we were able, we actually had that. So get a nice camera, make sure you have binoculars. Don't go there with high expectations with an iPhone and think you're going to just capture the world's best photo because you won't. Once again, some people get lucky. The only animals that got really close to our vehicles were bison and were elk. So just, just, just saying, be prepared for that. Another thing I just want to go into is when you go to these parks, don't have high expectations for wildlife. Don't go and think that, oh my goodness, I want to see wolves take down a bison and then I would love to see a grizzly bear on a kill and then, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be great if we saw bighorn sheep running down the side of a mountain and, oh, maybe we'll see a mountain lion that will cross the road at night and then maybe we'll see moose, you know, out in a meadow with maybe a calf and the sun will be setting. You guys don't have the expectations. And I've learned this from experience. So when you have high expectations, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. When I went to Africa, I had these amazing expectations of, oh my goodness, I'm going to see leopards in the tree. I'm going to see leopards with a kill. And I had, I mean, literally I searched and I searched and I searched. I've been to Africa twice. I've never seen a wild leopard. They evaded me in even by seconds. So don't go with high expectations. A wildlife bucket list is a lot different than these high expectations. So you can put on your bucket list, I want to see moose, I want to see bear. That's great. But for me, that was it. It wasn't like, oh, I'd love to see a bear with cubs. Oh, I would love to see wolves with a kill. I just put it out there. I'd love to see bear, wolves, whatever. If they're far away, great. If they're close up, great. But I had no expectations of what the experience is. And that is, uh, that's really going to be a great piece of advice. Like just... Don't go with high expectations because if you do, you will be disappointed. Another thing that you need to be prepared for, especially if you are hiking, is safety. This is a big thing. Uh, in the Grand Tetons and in Yellowstone, it is wild and they cannot guarantee your safety. Matter of fact, I'm going to go grab this piece of paper that they actually give you. Hold on. This is so crazy. Literally, as you get into Yellowstone, they have this yellow sheet of paper and there is a photo of a bison flipping a person up in the air. Now, this is like a sketched out cartoon version, but it literally, this stuff happens. Animals are dangerous. You need to be prepared. This is a wild place with wild animals. A lot of these animals are not habituated to vehicles. And I saw so many idiots Oh, you guys, I mean, so many dumb people. I just, I saw people standing, I mean, literally right next to bison. I saw people, I saw these two tourists, which this makes me so mad. I saw two tourists as we were, and I'm going to get more into this experience, but we were watching a grizzly bear 
who had stolen a kill from a pack of wolves. And we were up, high up on a hill. There was a river separating us, and they were out in the valley. Well, we had a group of tourists decide to climb down the hill, cross the river, and get on the same side with the wolves and with the grizzly bears. And these people are freaking idiots. Stay away. Give the animals their space. I'll tell you what, these animals are fast. A bison, they can run 35 miles an hour. They have these horns. They will kill you. Bears, they can run fast. We saw a grizzly bear running across the meadow in Lamar Valley towards this kill that the wolves have killed. And honestly, it was sprinting. It was lightning fast. You don't think they're fast. They're fast. So stay in your vehicle. Give the animals space. So Yellowstone, they recommend up to 25 yards away from animals like elk, deer, bison. They recommend staying 100 yards away from bears and from wolves. Give the animals their space. Another thing, if you're planning on hiking, make sure you carry bear spray. And this is super important. You are in bear country. There are signs all over that say we cannot, Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons, we cannot be responsible for your safety. Like you are in bear country. So make sure you have bear spray. We went to Walmart. I, my goodness, the show should be sponsored by Walmart. We went to Walmart and we went to their outdoor section and we got bear spray. It was $40. I know it's a little expensive. There were, um, you know, someone, I think online, some people were like, oh, just use pepper spray. You guys don't use pepper spray. It cannot shoot as far and it's not meant for bears. You guys, pepper spray is not going to work. So you have to get bear spray and you literally have to put it around your belt. Um, when you are hiking, make sure that bear spray is around the belt and it's easily accessible. You guys, people come across bears all the time in these parks, especially if you're hiking in isolated country, they come up and bear spray can literally save your life. Now, I mean, we really should talk about what to do if you do come across a bear because people do and you need to be prepared. And I mean, just speaking for ourselves, we were walking in the Grand Tetons, in the Willow Flats area, in the same area that just hours before there was the, the mother grizzly I mentioned earlier, 399 with her four cubs, where she had been seen kind of in the area, right? Kind of in that area. We, you, you need to be aware. So we, not only do we have bear spray, but hiking groups of at least two to three people do not go hiking alone. This is the most idiotic thing you could do, especially in bear country. There are over 700 grizzly bears in the Yellowstone, like the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So you guys, they're out there. There's also a lot of black bears. There's more black bears and grizzlies. And I feel like from what I've read and uh, just, you know, from um, kind of the books I've read that more people will encounter black bears, which still can be dangerous. So carry the bear spray hiking groups of up to three. I thought it was really fascinating. We actually walked past a couple and they were um, walking, I think they're, I think they're grandkids through the back country and they had bells like jingle bells. It sounded like jingle bells, jingle bells, man, I'm not ready for the holidays. Anyway, side note, but they have these bells walking down the trail. And that is a fantastic way to alert bears that you are in the area. You do not want to surprise bears. Bears do not look at us. Well, usually as food, they want to leave us alone. But what happens is when hikers or people are quiet and then they stumble upon bears with cubs, that's when you get in a problem. 
now what happens if you encounter a bear and this is something luckily enough i've I have experience. I've, I've worked with bears. I've released black bears back into the wilderness working with the Idaho Black Bear Rehab here in town. I also have been an expert for Inside Edition on what to do if a bear does attack you because it does happen. So here's what you have to do. First and foremost, if you have an encounter with the bear, do not run. Once again, do not run. You need to stand your ground. You need to shout you need to make yourself bigger. You need to maybe put your hands over your head, look bigger, but do not run. A grizzly can run over 35 miles an hour. They will catch you. Do not run. This can also instill a predatory response. Don't run. Stand your ground. Now, if a black bear tries to attack you and you need to be aware of the difference between black bears and grizzlies black bears are smaller you can't always depend on their color because black bears are actually more of a cinnamon 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 brown i can't even talk cinnamon <laughs> cinnamon brown uh most of the time so they are sometimes the same color as grizzly bears but black bears are a lot smaller also grizzly bears have that hump on their shoulder, they have this hump and they're very distinguishable. Grizzly bears also have large paws with claws like sticking out like steak knives. I mean, these guys are like massive, massive claws. Um, and like I said, grizzlies are a lot bigger. They are also a lot more aggressive. So if a black bear is coming towards you and first and foremost, hopefully you have your bear spray, spray the bear spray, okay? If they continue to come, continue to spray. If they can, and this is horrific to think about, but if they continue to come at you, you need to fight back. With a black bear, you need to fight back. If a grizzly gets a hold of you, well, you're just, you guys, you're really out of luck. But um, if a grizzly bear gets a hold of you, you need to play dead. You need to try to lay on your stomach and put your hands behind your neck, like your, your hands behind your neck to try to protect your neck so they do not break your neck. Once again, this is so horrific. I can't believe I have to go over this, but I mean, it, it honestly is a reality. Play dead with the grizzly bear. If you try to fight back with the grizzly bear, you will more than likely die. Play dead, okay? with a grizzly fight back if it is a black bear you will not win with the grizzly but with the black bear there are instances where people have uh, you know really have gotten away with a horrific scars and one heck of a campfire story once again play dead and wait several minutes after the bear leaves once again this is scary to think about but you need to be prepared when you are going into this wilderness i mean this is how these animals are wild and this is how you know the great american west was you're stepping into an intact ecosystem that has not changed for thousands of years and you are a visitor so make sure you are prepared also uh, you know just another thing as I, i'm still looking at this yellowstone you know pamphlet with this poster of this bison throwing somebody up in the air just respect the animals and don't get too close. It's not worth a selfie. I would never recommend a selfie. You guys, with these animals, they're wild. And, you know, honestly, the problem is that the bison, they look so friendly and they look so fat and they look so slow. And you think, oh my goodness, like you guys, they're completely fine. You guys, they attack more people than bears do and they kill more people than bears do. So give them their space. The same with elk. Once again, you're going to see elks, uh, elks. <laughs> you're going to see a lot of elks. 
Oh, sorry guys, you're gonna see a lot of elk and you're gonna see some with big, big antlers, big bulls with antlers. We actually went during their rut and you guys, they can be aggressive. They're looking for ladies. They're fighting other bull elk to try to secure those cows to spread their genetics. Once again, they will chase you and they can gore you with those set of antlers. I actually have a buddy who's in charge of kind of all the parks and the tourism in Yellowstone and he was charged and chased by an elk all the way to his office in Mammoth, uh, near Mammoth Hot Springs, near the kind of the north entrance of the park. So elk will also chase you. So best you know piece of advice, give animals the space, make sure you stay in your vehicle, especially if you have animals right there, there's no need to try to agitate them Bison will sometimes even ram your vehicles and you guys, you don't want to dent up your vehicle, especially if you're trying to rent a vehicle or I don't know, you just don't, I mean, what are you going to do? Tell your insurance like, Hey, I was driving through Yellowstone. I got too close and a bison, you know, literally ram my vehicle. So, I mean, sometimes it happens now. Sometimes it is inevitable bison. Uh, a lot of the times we found will once again, block the road. They cause a lot of uh, traffic jams and they will get close to your vehicle. So sometimes it is inevitable. But what I'm saying is don't actively go up and try to drive through them. Give them their space. You need to stop. My other piece of advice, when you are in the parks, make sure you go the speed limit. The speed limit is 45 miles an hour. I would suggest going slower at night. We had so many people speed through the park. We had so many people pass us. A lot of people from California. Sorry, guys. Have to put you on the spot. We saw the license plates. Every person who passed us and, you know, like a like a, a butthead and who was not very nice was it was a, <laughs> the majority was a California license plate. I'm sorry. I have to say it. So you guys slow down. Okay. Um, it broke our heart, but as we were driving, um, one early, early morning, some person literally passed us very aggressively passed us. They were tailgating us. Then at the second, the, the second chance they had, they literally sped in front of us and passed us and they went, they zoomed up ahead and they hit a coyote and the coyote died, obviously being hit with that collision. And it broke our heart. I mean, this is a national park where animals should be protected. And the fact that you're speeding so fast and you're hitting animals, I mean, stop it. That's, and you know, I was thinking like, what's the rush? We were thinking in the vehicle, what is the rush? Why are you in such a hurry to get through this park? The point is to slowly meander through the park, look for wildlife, stop, maybe take pictures of the scenery. What is the rush of going 65, 70 miles an hour through Yellowstone? I mean, and also at night, animals are in the road. I mean, there were several times where we came across pronghorn in the road. We came across bison in the road in pitch black, where if we were speeding, we would have completely hit a bison, totaled our vehicle, um, you know, obviously would have probably killed the bison, would have totaled, like, you know, possibly injured us. I mean, for your safety and the animals do not speed. Okay. My next piece of advice, you guys, I have so much advice, but this is, I wish there was a podcast that I could listen to when we were planning this. Cause I'd be like, oh man, this is great. So hopefully this will provide, hopefully you're finding this is great insight, by the way. I know I'm like 40 minutes in, but I feel like this is all stuff that you guys need to know. You need to be prepared to wake up 
early, okay? Especially if you want to see animals, you need to be up early. We were up at four o'clock in the morning, sometimes five o'clock in the morning because we stayed outside the park and we had to drive in and pitch black. Your best chances of seeing wildlife are going to be in the early morning and in the evening time. Okay, another good plus about being there in the early morning is the main tourists, you know, the tourist times are from 10 to 5. So if you're there a couple hours early from 7 to like, I mean, 7 to 10 o'clock, great wildlife viewings, great opportunities. There were times that we came across animals that no one had yet discovered because we were there early in the morning. Do not whatsoever go to Yellowstone and expect to see wolves at two o'clock in the afternoon. You might see them or you might not, but don't you want to increase your chances? Don't you want to, I mean, that's what we wanted to do. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We were sleep deprived. Some people got a little grouchy. Sorry, honey. I'm not, I'm talking to my wife. I'm just kidding, honey. You were fine. But you know, some people, for me, I kind of operate without much sleep, but for some people and most normal people, they need sleep. But you guys, it's worth it. Get up early to see those animals. My favorite times were in the morning and in the evening. So once again, stay in the evening. Don't leave at five o'clock. Stay in the evening to view animals. The best wildlife sightings, and this is when we saw bears, when we saw wolves, were gonna be in the evening. Now, once again, this is all subjective because you have people who literally will drive in in the afternoon and see a grizzly cross the road. Like that does happen, but to increase your chances, be prepared to wake up early, and stay there um, really until sundown for your best wildlife experiences. Other tips I would just like to say, make sure the vehicle you go to in Yellowstone, make sure it's comfortable. You're going to be doing a lot of driving. Don't go in a smashed, you know, a tight smashed vehicle with all your friends or family and feel like, you know, feel like you're in a sardine can. It will not be enjoyable. We are so fortunate enough. We actually took our Sprinter van, which is like a house on wheels. So we're so blessed to have that. And so we were able to take that and that was amazing. I know that, you know, sprinter vans aren't always available. By the way, there actually were several sprinter brand, sprinter vans in the park, but I understand some of you might not be able to do that, but possibly maybe consider renting a vehicle like, you know, Chevy Tahoe, a large van, make sure you're just comfortable. I would highly suggest if you're going with more than two people, make sure you're in a larger vehicle because it will be uncomfortable. We were in the car 80% of the time, just driving around, trying to find animals. If we were uncomfortable, it would not have been fun. Also, make sure you uh, pack snacks. <laughs> snacks, sorry, I said that with my Michigan accent. I'm not from Michigan, but my wife is, and sometimes I pick up on the accents. Isn't that weird? Anyway, so make sure you pack snacks and a cooler full of drinks. Uh, I'm not talking about alcoholic drinks. I'm talking about, uh, you know, uh, make sure you have a cooler. We had a lot of sparkling waters, LaCroix. We had uh, several gallons of water we were able to fill up our Nalgene bottles with. Make sure you have that. Make sure you stay hydrated. We ate so bad. I mean, during this trip, I think we brought like eight bags of chips. I mean, we ate gummy worms, you guys. I mean, to the max, I'm like a big snack fiend. So I love all the bad snacks. So, but it was great having the snacks because if you're deep in Yellowstone, there are very few places where you can stop and find stuff to buy and purchase to eat. And if you don't have a cooler that's already packed with ice or with drinks, you're going to pay a lot of money. I think we ran out of ice the second day. It was $4 a bag for ice for like an seven pound bag, an eight pound bag. So make sure 
you plan, you know, you pack a cooler with ice, make sure you have that and make sure you are prepared. You don't want to spend a lot of money. There are places, you know, for instance, when you do go to Old Faithful, you can, uh, you can get lunch there. We had to get lunch there because we had ran out of our sandwiches that we had eaten, literally eaten on these large sandwiches we got at our local Albertson store. We ran out, so we had to get lunch somewhere. You're going to spend a lot of money on lunch. And honestly, the food is really mediocre. So just be prepared for that. I guess the other thing, uh, you know, park entrance fees, it's $35 for the Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone National Park. It's $35 to get into the park each park, or it's $80 for an annual U.S. National Parks Pass. 100% get the National Parks Pass. It is an annual pass, so it's one year from the day from that month. Um, it's it's one year, so you get one year. So we got it in September, so ours is valid till September uh, 2021. And it's only $80, and you can get into all the parks in the United States. So it's it's worth it. We used it numerous times. And if we did not do that, it would have been $35 for the Grand Teton, and then it would have been $35 per vehicle for Yellowstone. So we're already at $70, and that's only valid for seven days. So why not spend $10 more and get access to both parks, and you just have the option. So definitely, definitely do that. Okay, you guys, those are my Yellowstone tips. I hope you enjoyed those tips. I hope you you guys get a chance to go to Yellowstone. This is a, an ecosystem that's still intact and animals are interacting like they have for thousands of years. And I cannot highly recommend this park more. So I hope you guys get the chance to go. What I'm going to do because we're over, we're almost at 47 minutes is I am going to record a separate podcast. So I gave you all my Yellowstone tips, like what to do, all the things that uh, I'd recommend to do. I am going to record a separate podcast and talk about my personal experience day to day, what we saw, our itinerary, just to help you out and give you some more insight of our wildlife encounters because they were spectacular. You guys, it was amazing. I mean, the only thing I could compare it to was probably the Maasai Mara in Kenya because just all the animals, the wildlife, the predator and prey interactions, it was amazing that we still have this intact ecosystem. And there's a reason why they call it the American Serengeti. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave that here. I am going to record a separate podcast that will talk about my personal experience, what we saw, all that amazing stuff. But uh, once again, I hope you enjoyed this podcast about my top Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park tips. I know I talked a lot about Yellowstone, but a lot of this stuff will apply to the Grand Tetons as well, since it's all part of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. If you want more and you want to see more visuals, once again, I encourage you to check out my Instagram at Corbin Maxi and my Facebook and my YouTube. I have been so active on YouTube and I'm putting together vlog videos of our adventure each day. I already have one up of the moose encounter that we saw in the Grand Tetons. It was just, you guys, just amazing. So once again, I would just highly, highly recommend checking out my YouTube channel to check out the videos for all that content. But with that said, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you liked this, share it with friends and family, anyone who's going to Yellowstone. Look forward for that next podcast where I talk about my experience soon. And once that is released, I will put that in the show notes. But until next time, be safe, everybody. Happy traveling. Plan your trip to Yellowstone. You guys do it. You only live once. Get in that vehicle. Please do it. It's amazing.
Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.